All righty, episode 49 of the Positive Podcast. Another baseball episode for you guys as we get closer and closer to opening day against LIU. My name is Kevin Baral. I am here with Jake Gibson and Jonathan Mayer, my co-host and good friend. And today we have a very, very special guest with us. Not only a baseball player, but a but a broadcaster as well. We have Keyshawn Fred in the house, FIU baseball outfielder. Keyshawn, what's up? We're excited to have you on and talk some ball. How's it going, fellas? Doing good. All right, so I want to get it going with – um. Just the first time you kind of remember playing baseball or, you know, getting a bat or a glove. Just what was that first time you remember, you know, this is something I like. Um, Yeah, the first time I remember, I honestly remember playing T-ball. I believe I was four years old. And during during that time is when my mom tried to get me going with every sport when I turned four. And, yeah, ever since I picked up that bat when I was in T-ball, it's just never stopped. All right, so – so let's fast forward a bit then uh, at what point in your life did you want to or did you decide that you know what I kind of want to dedicate my life doing this thing and when, when I get to high school when I get to college I want to keep on playing baseball continue my career and uh eventually play play professional um I was I was I would say when I the year after I started playing travel ball so I started playing travel ball and nine you for the first time and after that first full season is when I really decided that like I want to pursue it because it was just the talent you play in travel ball made everything more fun. And I didn't know if I would want to pursue that or basketball, but I definitely, definitely knew I wanted to play one of the two. And then I'd say by time, by the time I was a freshman in high school is when I knew that baseball was definitely going to be my better sport. Oh no. What high school, what sports did you play besides baseball? Was baseball the only love or you played some uh, other sports? Um, um yeah, I definitely played every sport growing up, uh, mostly. But ba- basketball and baseball were my two biggest sports. And the one sport I never really got into was football because my mother was – she never liked the idea of me playing football. But obviously, once I got into high school my freshman year, the coaches saw my size and they saw everything in the hallways. So they always would stop me. And eventually that led to them allowing me to play. And I, once I committed to Florida – that that summer, my freshman summer, that's when my mom was like, "You can still play basketball, but no more football." <laughs> you're, you're a three sport athlete then, three sport yeah, athlete yeah. For, for, wow. for one year, for one year, <laughs> for the rest of high school. What position did he play in football? Um, so I played defense at end because I joined four games into the season, and the guys had already played games and done summer workouts. So I played JV as a defense at end for like the last six games. And then when we started spring ball, they tried to put me at quarterback, but I throw it like a baseball. But they were trying to teach me, but they were going to probably put me at receiver. There we go. And so for you, obviously, we know you at FIU, you know, you'll be incoming as an outfielder. But obviously, you know, it's a lot of players, they play different positions. What positions did you play, you know, when you were growing up? And uh, what do you think? Why do you think, you know, outfield st- stuck out to you and in something you were pursuing in, in, in college? Um, honestly, I grew up playing every position. Like I was the definition of a utility guy. I even pitched a lot. Every I pitched at every level, including the JUCO level. But it's just um, I was a catcher. Um, but I did not I did not like being a catcher. Honestly, it is a tough, very tough position. And shout out to all my catchers on the team and everything. But um, people people really loved me as a catcher because of how athletic I was and what I brought to the table. But um, my freshman and sophomore year, I played shortstop at my first high school. And then I would catch and travel ball a little bit. And then once once I tore my ACL my 10th grade year, that kind of pushed me to third base more when I did come back. And I did also go to a different school, and they already had a shortstop who was very good. And then 
over time, it's just, well, last year, last year at my junior college, um, in the preseason, I was in training with my, some of my teammates and I got hit by a pitch and I probably yeah. was a third or first base. But once I got hit by that pitch, that a lot that I, I went through all fall getting recruited as a third baseman. I, every coach that would text me would text me to be an incoming third baseman, knowing that I could also play the outfield, but mostly to, to play third base. And then once I got hit by the ball, um, put me out for six weeks. And even when, even when I came back from those six weeks, I wasn't allowed to play the infield for another month. So that, that only gave me about 10 games to come back to third base, which my coaches did put me back at third base at the end of the season. But I had already gotten recruited as an outfitter by every other coach at that point. So what, what were you topping out on the mound when you were pitching? Um, in the fall, it wasn't anything too crazy. It was like 90, 92. For the most days, I'm 88. And then high school, I was up to – I would throw 90, 91 in high school. What was your arsenal? I'm a fastball, slider, cutter, changeup oh. guy. Oh. My, my, my cutter and my slider, it's, it's not like I – I try to throw the cutter a little bit, but my sometimes it just breaks off and it becomes a slider. And, yeah. So uh, growing up and as well uh, right now, were there any um, players in, in the big leagues, maybe even collegiate, that you, that you sort of look up, looked up to as, you, um, as you've been playing baseball, maybe um, how you've been basing your, 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 your batting stance, your fielding, how, however it is, just what are some players that you, uh, you've looked up to over the years? Um, honestly, being such like a versatile player, I never had like one guy I looked at. But in terms of growing up, guys that – I wouldn't say anybody really influenced the way I play, but I love watching like Albert Pujols play or Mark McGuire. A lot of Cardinals greats. I like the way Ozzie Smith played, but yeah, definitely Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina. Those are the two guys that that definitely got got my attention more than anybody else. So you're you a St. Louis fan? Oh yeah, I'm a big Cardinals fan. I don't even. I mean, I believe it's because I played with them the first time I ever played MLB The Show, and it just kind of <laughs> stuck with me, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a bad story there. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about your recruitment. You kind of mentioned that you were a third baseman. You got recruited there originally, but then the outfield. What were some of the teams that were reaching out to you? And then eventually, why did you decide to go the JUCO route? Um, Teams are reaching out to me before JUCO or while I was in JUCO? Before JUCO. You're in high school. Um, Yeah, so when I was in high school, teams were teams – were, I would say teams were really looking at me as a catcher more, more than anything, honestly. Um, and I had one torn ACL, but schools were really like, they, they knew I worked hard and they could tell that I could still run fast and I could move good even when in a squatted position. So the schools that were recruiting me were mostly as a catcher and they were a lot of power, pretty much every power five school, pretty much every SEC, ACC school you can think of. And then, uh, getting closer to my senior year, um, money was the biggest thing for me going to a school, like making sure I'm getting paid for and stuff. And, um, when that happened, when COVID hit, I thought I was going to go to FAU. I had a great relationship with FAU. But with, with them getting hit with the COVID and the draft getting shortened from 40 rounds to five rounds, that made it to where they didn't have any guys getting drafted. And all the guys they signed from high school, they couldn't give me money. They they offered me a walk-on spot, but it just wasn't anything me and my family were like interested in. So that's when I decided that I would have to go the JUCO route. And the rest is history. So uh, you, your your first season at JUCO, I, I want to say uh, Seminole State College. Uh, 
you 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 came out of the gate swinging. You had a 299 batting average, eight homers, 32 RBIs, 11 doubles, two triples as well. Just talk about your first impressions of Juco Ball, like the expectations you set for yourself and how well you did um and how well you believe that you did coming out coming out of that. In terms of how I felt, um yeah, I didn't feel good that year. It was definitely my first year playing in 3 years. It just felt it felt good to be on the field, don't get it wrong, but yeah, I, I wasn't happy. It was real inconsistent playing time because right when I got hot in the beginning of the season, I could only play with a knee brace because of my ACL. So I, I missed my knee brace. I missed somebody misplaced it on the bus and I ended up missing three weeks. So that really set wow. me back. Yeah, set me back. And I wasn't I wasn't even allowed to take practice swings without my knee brace. So like while the team's practicing, I'm literally just watching it. It was miserable. <laughs> so we ordered the new knee brace. And right when the new knee brace came in, we found my other knee brace. Oh, so it was crazy. Um, and then when I, when I did, when I, when that knee brace came back in, um, I struggled for, I struggled for a good amount of time uh, for, at the beginning of conference play. I definitely struggled, but just being able to just come back and get into a flow. Um, it definitely, definitely had me feeling good towards the end of the season. Johnny, you're muted. Yeah, I'm muted. Here we go. Obviously for you, uh, you talked about, you know, your, your first year and last year, I mean, skyrocketed you know 20 home runs which is you know was top of juco and really really balled out uh, talk about more about your your last season and how that kind of helped you you know shine and obviously now lead to, to coming to a, a division one school last season was a, a big confidence booster it um it, it allowed me to know that i could still play at an elite level and it i did put in a lot of work in from my freshman juco summer to this summer and it just it just paid off it it made me want to take the game a lot more serious and just has me ready for this this level right here for sure, just to prove that I could do it at any level, no matter where I'm at. Well, speaking of this level, I, granted, it's still very early. have yet to play um, a, se- a season with FIU, though it is coming up. But just right off the rip, what has been the biggest difference that you have noticed between uh, uh, how, how JUCO baseball works and, and what you've seen in the, in the Division One level here in Conference USA with FIU? Um, the biggest thing is just the maturity, I'd say. Like these guys, even everybody's bigger, everybody's stronger, everybody's throwing faster, everybody's hitting the ball harder. Um, those are the biggest things in terms of playing on the field, and even what I've been able to just see in our inner squads is the command that these pitchers have on not just their fastballs but their off speeds is just that's the biggest difference. And our 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 depth pers- personally with FIU is just ridiculous. Any guy can play any. Any most of these guys can play any position on the on the team. It's just pretty crazy. And, and then in terms of practice and training and all that, the biggest differences are just our accessibility to the fields and being able to just like me and my teammate Alex, we just got done hitting an hour ago. That's just insane that we could do that. We can go hit again in an hour if we wanted to, or you can just go work out. Those those have been game changers and definitely just gives you no excuse to not be great. Take us kind of take us back through your JUCO years, your two years there. Why would you say the JUCO route for you was the right way to go? And then you, if you had any advice for high schoolers, maybe that are interested in the JUCO route, what would you tell them? And why is that maybe the route some people should take? Because you look at this FIU team, you went JUCO, Brylan went JUCO. You have a lot of JUCO guys there. So just, you know, why would you say that's a good route to go if you're coming out of high school or just looking to get your feet wet in college baseball? I mean, yeah, I feel like going JUCO was a, an amazing experience and opportunity. 
And yeah, for me personally, coming out of high school, I, I told myself I would never go JUCO and all those things everybody says. But once you go there, you realize a lot of things like the scholarships you get once you leave JUCO. Like to me out of high school, a 50% scholarship in state was big. But then when you go to JUCO, like this, the scholarships you get in state can be 80% could be small to some people. You could really get paid a lot. And then in terms of this, in terms of getting drafted or just getting recruited, it's it's a it's a lot better. It's a lot easier, especially when when your coaches see if you work hard, when when everything when you have good relationships, you can just if if you're good enough, you can get drafted after your first year. You can also go D one after your first year, and just mm -hmm. being able to just being able to do different different things like that, I I definitely feel it. JUCO is a experience that everybody should go to, or nobody should just shut down JUCO just because they don't feel like they should play at that level. You could definitely ball out and have a great future. I want to know though, um, Florida JUCO—that's where it's at. I mean, you think about like all the top JUCOs. A lot of them come from here in, in the state of Florida. Talk about that as well. Being a part of like you know, you got College of Central Florida. You got you got all these schools that you're playing against, and there's so many talented guys within JUCO, especially here in, in the state. Yeah, college. Yeah, these these Florida JUCOs are no joke. College of Central Florida. Uh, they produce powerhouses every every year, and they're good. And um, Jake, I know you said Seminole was my freshman year, but I did actually commit out of high school to Wabash Valley, and they were the number one JUCO when I committed. And they're they they're historically always good powerhouse everything, but just the the schools that we played up there compared to just playing every day in Florida is it's so it's so much of a difference. The depth that these teams have down here in Florida. It's, it's insane. Even in the falls down here in Florida, it's, it's competitive. Like just trying to make your roster for the spring is competitive. Just playing these different teams in Florida are competitive. And in the spring, it's pretty much D1 baseball. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. You, you can see an arm that's throwing 97 and he might not even make it D1. He might get drafted. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's here in Florida. It's, I would say Jugo baseball in Florida is, is not, not so much of like a bounce back or a rebound type of thing. It's more of like a, you boost yourself. You you can you can really use this as a stepping stool to get to where you need to go faster. I can give one a good example. Nelson Taylor, who I uh, was in summer ball with, he was I think a tenth round pick out of uh, out of Polk State, and it just shows like you can have two years in JUCO and still be able to someone can find you, you know, to get well, drafted. Sure, so, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty then. First off, Kevin. Is that a Miami Heat shirt? Because that that's a that, that'd be a very convenient shirt choice considering the uh, Terry Rozier news today. Which yes, is great. it is a Miami Heat shirt. Oh, all right, all right then. But second question: Is it time for a news break? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, then let us get on to the pause of podcast news break. Your source for all things FIU athletics and just FIU in general. So let's get right into it, starting with some FIU football coaching news, where our very own Kevin Baral first reported that FIU's defensive coordinator, Javon Dewitt, has been extended through the 2024 season. Along with Dewitt, running backs coach Eric Hickson has also been extended into next season, providing some familiar faces, if you will, to the coaching staff as they look to improve their 4-8 record this past season. Uh, however, one coach that will not be returning is cornerbacks coach Demarcus Van Dyke. After spending a season with FIU, he has accepted an offer to coach the University of South Florida Bulls, also as a cornerbacks coach. So we do wish him the best of luck. Uh, 
Moving on now to uh, FIU women's soccer. They recently announced that they were the most watched uh, soccer, women's soccer team out of all nine members of Conference USA this past season, uh, with the majority of their games being streamed on ESPN Plus as a part of that relatively new Conference USA TV deal. A lot more eyes were on the team, and for good reason, as they had one of their best seasons in recent memory, breaking a ton of records, but of course going 8-6-4 and four, and making an appearance in the Conference USA Tournament. So congratulations to everyone who watched the women's soccer team and, of course, the uh, women's soccer team themselves. Uh, on to some uh, baseball news. Not FIU baseball technically, but got some cool news to share uh, with the Caribbean Series coming up at uh, – Lone Depot Park next week. Let me remind you that Edwin Rios, a former FIU Panther, will be representing Team Puerto Rico as they look to best seven other nations in this upcoming tournament, which of course will draw a lot of fans to uh, Little Havana at Lone Depot Park. Puerto Rico will take on the country of Nicaragua in game one of the series on Thursday, February 1st at 10.30 a.m. That'll kick off a whole week of baseball action. So best of luck to Edwin Rios and Team Puerto Rico. Uh, finally, FIU has recently launched a brand new hub for fraternity fraternities and sororities at FIU called the Center for Fraternity and Sorority Enrichment at the Graham Center. This new hub is the first of its kind in the state of Florida and is, quote, dedicated to enhancing fraternity and sorority members' collegiate experience on a holistic level while building affinity that, affinity that persists long beyond graduation. Its staff strives to provide co-curricular activities that prepare students in the areas of leadership development, social responsibility, service and philanthropy, community impact, and career readiness, end quote. It's worth noting that FIU's Greek Life membership has grown over 30%, since 2021, with over 1,300 members as of last semester. So there was your news break. So uh, let's get right back into the swing of things now, talking about the eventual journey to FIU that you have taken, Keyshawn. Obviously, it's very close to home for you, but uh, just aside from that, uh, you know, oh, yeah, uh, aside from that, just why FIU? What really made the FIU Panthers the most enticing D1 program to you? Um, just this relationships that especially Brian Jamalaman, but J Brian Jamalaman, my bad, Jiro. But those, those, the, the way these coaches were able to make me feel and just, they even talked to my mom for me and just assured us that they would take good care of me. And just, it wasn't, it wasn't a short process. It was a, it was a pretty long process. And that's really the biggest thing that, that it was for me, them providing a good environment for me and just knowing that I have even if stuff wasn't work to work out this year, they would be with me next year and they're going to help me in my future regardless. You've been here just for a couple months, but I mean, what, what have been your initial impressions of this team? You kind of mentioned it, that this team has a lot of depth and this is the team that just last season had a win improvement in terms of 2022 to 2023. So, and then you look at this team, which lost a lot of guys to either graduation or the portal, but you guys brought in a lot of new guys, including yourself. So, what have been your impressions of this team as you guys start, um, I believe, in a couple of weeks, the, the full squad workouts? Um, Yeah, we start this weekend with the full squad workouts. But um, it's, my impression of this team has been like a true, real big family. Like we're not just baseball teammates. We actually have fun together. We actually when we fight, we get over it pretty much that same day, not even the next day. We hang out here at the school, outside of school. 
be, some days we go to the field, like not just little groups of four or five, but we go to groups in the off season, 10, 10 people at a time. And I feel like that, that's what makes this team so, so much different, so much close. And it's like a lot of these guys, it's not that we're just having fun. Like these guys have, these guys that have been here for four years, they, they have, they've had losing seasons their entire career. So they, they want to have fun and enjoy it to the best of their ability, but they know that we need to win and that they just know what it takes. And, I, and I, think, I think what I can test as well, this is like a whole new culture compared. I think, you know, it's year two with Coach Whitten, but there's so many new guys. You know, you obviously, Yuki, Sean, you know, Jeff LaCorey, Austin Deering, and, you know, a lot of these new guys and they have a lot of pedigree. And I feel like it's kind of a new, a new you know, style of ball compared to, you know, what we, we saw in the past couple of years. So I think that makes a big difference is how new this roster is because it's not like, you know, what we've seen in recent years Um for this program, but, you know, adding to, to what Kevin talked about the off season, talk about you, what are some things you're working on in the off season to kind of prepare and get set for, you know, a big year for you and a year of you're trying to, you know, go, go play D one baseball um, for the first time. My biggest thing is just making sure that my body's ready for this. Like in terms of the weight room, um, I, I feel like our, our strength and conditioning coach, Dan does a great job at getting us ready and not just getting us ready, but keeping us ready. He sends us workouts. He's always there for, us to text him over break. You can text him at 10 p.m. He's probably going to respond. He's been he's been great in that aspect and just stretching a lot and just just that's really that's the biggest thing. I've I'm, I can only hit so much and I can only throw so much and and all those types of things. So right now it's just staying in the present and just making sure my body's ready. This is you know, one of the things about this team is that it saw improvements in 2023, but, and this is probably a question that could go many ways for you, at least with your answer, but what do you think this team ha would have to do to see another improvement in 2024? Um, I feel like the biggest thing is our, our bats definitely have to be consistent. Um, as far as last year, I don't, I honestly don't know. I know their pitching wasn't the best and our pitching is really good this year. But I don't just want to say it's just pitching because I don't know how it was last year. But I definitely think we got to be more consistent at the plate and and just play clean defense, in which I think we will have no problem doing. So stepping off the baseball field for a second, Kevin had alluded to this right as the show began. But you recently had the chance to call a basketball game for FIU. I believe they took New Mex took on New Mexico State in that game. Uh, for the FIU student radio, along with a uh, recent guest of the show, Carlton Gillespie. And at the end, he even got to interview Javante Hawk. Wait, was it Javante After the game. Hey, there it was. We have the picture. Uh, it was a super cool experience to watch. But uh, just talk to us about, about how that went and just uh, just how you feel about calling, calling uh, basketball games. Um, It definitely didn't go as smoothly as I would have hoped it to, but – I definitely love the experience. Calling the game is I got a lot to learn. I got a lot to practice. I know it's a lot of reps. It's gonna take a lot of reps. Like you guys make it all look good. You guys are all comfortable. But um I definitely got more comfortable as the game went on. And in terms of doing it again or anything like that, I'm definitely down to and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing it sometime in February, Carlton. There we go. But how how, how is Carlton the uh the, the instructor when it comes to help when it came to helping you out day of? That guy's the best, man. He, he made it as easy as he could. And he told me before he was going to make it easy, but I still still wasn't too confident in, in how it would go. And I, I know he was going to talk the majority of it, but he, he definitely did a lot. 
he he made a lot more easy than I thought it was going to be. Let's say that. What are some things you think you could improve on? Hmm. <laughs> um, no, he's got it. He he he's got it pretty pretty down pack. Like I I I don't I really I really couldn't tell you. No, no. What are some things you could improve on? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Carlton's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I I can improve on everything. the The biggest thing that I would have to improve on is talking more honestly. Like I'm a pretty talkative guy, but when it comes down to actually saying things on mic, I just I I don't know. And I, the things I would say in my head, I would ask Carlton. He'd be like, "That was great. You should have said it." And I just would freeze up. I guess. It takes takes reps. He told us on the podcast and you'll get it going. You'll get it going for sure. And, you know, obviously you mentioned that you're interested in taking AJ's class and that definitely is going to help. So, you know, and it's also good because that's the one thing I've I've, I've noticed. It's it's, you want players after their careers to kind of get into that. That would be something that they would excel in, you know, given that they've had the experience doing it as yourself now in college and hopefully at, at some point in the major leagues. And, you know, you have a, a lot of other people doing it as well. And that's something that brings a lot of experience, especially depending the position you play as well. That's also huge. Sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Kevin, myself, and Johnny can all attest to us. Our first time calling calling the games, having the mic in front of our face and just talking about what we were seeing. Scary as hell, right? It was super scary, fumbling our words, figuring out what would be the best way to say something. But you get those reps in, you call more and more games, you get comfortable with the equipment, with, with just being around the players, just being around the environments. It's eventually, man, it's going to be lights out. It's going to be lights out. Lights out! Lights out! Oh, my God. uh anyway so let's get into some rapid fire questions as we sort of start to to uh to to close out here i i wanted to ask you we always ask this to everybody where is your favorite place on campus to grab a bite or and and or to uh hang out tropical cafe that's everybody that's every student that's every athlete uh, it's gotta be bro it's gotta be what's 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 the what's the order though um, um, I would say they're number one. Number two, in terms of eating and hanging out, I'm honestly a big fan of A Street. <laughs> I like dinner. There we we, we've had dinner in there a few times. We yeah. ate last night actually, but I definitely, I definitely like A Street honestly. And third, I honestly got to say Chick Fil A. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I, I order on Grubhub, and by the time I get there, it's usually ready. People don't like Chick Fil A. People, people don't like Chick Fil A. It's a little. It's a, if you order there, it is a little chaotic. I would say. Facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But I feel like if you order on the phone and just what right time you get it, yeah, yeah, I feel like that's the case for for most of these places, especially at Panda, which where the, when the line gets very long. Johnny, you could attest to this. Yeah. You could order on Grubhub, but Keyshawn, I need to ask you: Who's the funniest teammate? Uh, who's the funniest teammate? You have a lot of options, but you you would have to narrow it down to one. Oh, and Puck. Owen Puck, everyone that man right there, bro. I don't even know why he's not famous on TikTok or something. That man right there is hilarious. <laughs> Brylan was gonna be the popular answer here, but Brylan, I mean, that's my boy. But Puck, that man is comedy. Brylan's comedy too, but just the way Puck, like Puck, could just walk in a room and I, I'm just gonna start laughing. Like this is ridiculous. I don't even know, bro. Like not in a bad way either, but like he's just hilarious. There we go. I gotta know music wise, who's getting the aux cord and who's not getting the aux cord on the team. Mm. Um, you can say yourself if, if you feel that confident. 
I'm getting the ox for sure. There we, hey, there we go. People not getting the ox. I got a few of them. I got Orlando. Dookie, yeah. Dookie, he's not getting the ox. Why? Oh, actually, today he showed me something with country music, so I'm not going to put him there on you. Brylin West not getting the ox. He doesn't listen to any rap music. He only listens to R&B, and he likes old R&B, which I, I appreciate, but not, not all the time. Like Literally, every time he gets on the ox, that's what he plays. Um, Jamel, Jamel Vera, can't put him on the ox. He listens to way too much female R&B for me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just leave it right there. I'm just leave it right there before I, I make no friends and stuff. So well, what's on your playlist? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? What's on your playlist, though? My playlist? Um, I like to mix it up. I got a lot. Of, I say rap more than anything for sure. Hip hop, mm -hmm. and then after that, um, I'm um, I guess country. Hey, okay. Yeah, honestly, and not not too many people listen to country music on this team, but the country's was, good was, though. Country's good. Uh, yeah, certain ones, certain ones. Yeah. certain ones. <laughs> I love Luke Combs. Yeah, I love Luke, Luke Bryan. No, no. I love Luke Bryan. Luke Morgan Bryan. Wallen. Morgan Wallen. Yeah, but I don't even like to say I love him because then people say I don't like country music. But yeah, I love ah, Morgan. Okay. I listen to Morgan Wallen and Luke Combs more than anybody. Yeah. What's your walk-up song this year? Ooh, we were discussing that. We were discussing you're ready that. to reveal it. Oh, is it not ready? It's not ready. It's not, not ready? ready. If I had to pick, I don't, I don't even know. I think maybe, maybe God's Country by Travis Scott, but it's like I don't know what part of it to pick. Mm. And I don't even know how long of the walk-up song is going to play yet. If it's like 30 seconds... That might be a different answer than if it's just 20 seconds. I mean, like, I feel like it's one where, like, right when you get up, you get on, you know, get up to the plate, like, you know, that's when it hits. You know, that's when the song, you know. It is when it hits. And they they just always turn it off on the wrong part. Like, <laughs> right part. when you get to the, the white, yeah. white, white plate, they turn it off. Um, so we asked this to to every athlete on who should be the next FIU baseball player that we bring on. We've already had Guida. We've had Logan Rundy. And we've had Brylin West. So you could choose from the rest of the guys. Mm. Um, I would say we're, we're getting Jeff on soon. So, oh Jeff, know. yeah, there's a bunch of guys. I would, I would say Owen Puck in terms of him being just a great guy to have on the podcast. But honestly, a really interesting guy, Jaquan Smith. That would mm, be really yeah, I like that. There you go, guy. Like I, I think you guys should ask him a lot of questions because I he has stuff he hasn't even told me that I would like to know. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. All I would, right. Already, Jason. If if you could have an at bat against any pitcher in MLB history, who would it be, and how do you think you would do? Like all time history. All time. Huh. See, I play MLB the show a lot, and Randy Johnson. I just feel like there's no way he was really that like unhittable. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Like, I would really like to. I would really like to face him, and I would just hope to touch the ball because I really cannot touch the ball off that guy. And it would be the mm. show is ridiculous. There we go. Who did? Okay, so Brylin, we talked to Brylin. He said he would go yard against Shohei Otani. We spoke with Guida. I, Kevin, I can't remember. Who he said Nolan he Ryan. He said Nolan Ryan. Okay. And, and you say I, Randy? I almost said Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. He, he. I don't like hitting off of that guy in the show either. They got his stats way too boosted. What's the approach against Randy Johnson for you? Take no, the first pitch fastball. <laughs> but <laughs> he's a lefty, so I'm looking for a first pitch heater for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to get back footed on his slider. That's 100% true. <laughs> All right. There we go. So FIU, it's got a lot of clean uniforms this upcoming season. It seems like every baseball player has their favorites, so I got to know. 
uh, out, out of FI, like the five or six ones that FIU has, which one's your favorite? Um, I don't, I don't believe it's a uniform combination they used too much last year, but the the light, the baby blues and the white pants, that that might be my favorite one. I, I don't know if we'll wear those together if we'll just wear baby blue and baby blues, but the baby blue and whites, we wore those in our World Series game for our championship Sunday, and I, I feel like everybody looked good in those. There we go. The ones that were with the gold, the FIU with the, hit the home run. All, you know, they hit, hit the home run on that Saturday game. Yeah, the that gold. was the all black one. That all one black, yeah. Yeah, with the gold helmets. Those, I would say those for sure too. But that baby blue is with the white pants. That one, that yeah. one is different. But the all black, that's definitely number two for sure. There we go. I feel like the popular answer is it, it's what the white one with pinstripes and the player name, if I'm not mistaken. I think no, that's, that's the navy one. The Panthers, oh, the, the, yeah, the Navy like one, that. just the ones with the player names, because having obviously having your name in the back of the jersey is cool, right? So yeah, that's that's gonna be insane. That weird too. I didn't even get to wear that jersey at all, but yeah, having the last name that makes it special always. Mm-hmm. Alrighty then, uh, as we start to uh, uh, wrap up here again, Keyshawn, thanks for spending some time with us. It's been a super fun episode. If you have anything you want to say to your teammates, to the fans, to alumni, just anyone. As this baseball season approaches, the floor is now yours. Oh, well, I would just say, Panthers, Panther Nation, please come out and support our first baseball game, February 16th. And we're going to have a great season for you guys. All right. Well, uh, you said very, very straightforward answer. But yeah, February 16th, taking on the Long Island Sharks for, I want to say, a, is it a three or four game set? Is there four a doubleheader Saturday? It's a doubleheader Saturday, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. Episode 49 of the Positive Podcast. I think we're going to take a week off next week because Jake will be be going to the Super Bowl. So that's pretty cool. Super Bowl? How'd you get those tickets? It's a long story, (laughs) but yeah. I mean, how are you going to say no to a Super Bowl? Enjoy enjoy that for sure. From Jake, from Johnny, from Keyshawn and myself, we'll see you guys all in, I think we'll say two weeks. So as always, uh, peace out and uh, pause up, baby.